can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? You don't listen, do you? I don't think you ever really hear me. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It stuck with me. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? We've got here is... Failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut your licorice. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, you are not at the time. And welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. This is your captain speaking. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm here, you're here. Outside my window, it is currently raining. Everything's really green, though. Everything's very green. Outside the cabin window, I can see the creeks are full. There's low clouds hanging over the distant mountains. Fall's coming fall's coming soon but it's not here yet so i don't know where you are in this space and age and time and what you're outside your window but i hope it's good i hope you've got a window i hope you've got a window that you can look out on the world and see it because well just because it's because you should um so we are this this particular podcast is going out my demand to my business and professional speaking classes, all you future business leaders, economists, marketers, all you guys and girls who are planning on taking over the world in some way or another. And so this is yet again a chance for you to come and uh, put your heads together and, and kind of figure out how to not suck while you communicate. Right? And... And, and hopefully, just hopefully, um, be better than your competitors. And be, be, learn how to communicate in a way that makes people want to be around you. And so tonight we're going to be talking about nonverbal communications. Or today, we're going to, it's, I don't know why I say tonight. It's actually today while I'm recording this. But we're going to be talking about nonverbal communication. And nonverbal is huge in the world of communication you know there's legitimately the words that we choose to say are only a small percentage of what we actually communicate we're actually doing so much more 
and you know, we're not the only ones. Animals do the same thing. This is why um, birds behave the way that the birds behave. This is why, you know, every mammal has its own sort of version of nonverbal communication. You know, typically in that world, it's all about aggression versus and dominance versus submission and 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 peacocking around trying to uh, pass on one's genetic code to a future generation to attain a certain level of immortality in their own particular way. And to be perfectly honest, when it comes to human communication, we're not really that much different. Um, ours is a bit more complex, at least in theory. It may not be more complex, but at least we have the communication tools that we can actually verbalize this stuff and explain it and unpack it and sort of, you know, pull the curtain back to let see let people see what's going on. So that's kind of what we're going to do right now, at least for this chapter. And maybe give you a little food for thought and maybe give you a little advantage, whether we're talking about a business deal or a potential spouse. Who knows what we're, what we're talking about. But we're going to talk about it and how not just what you say and not just the tone of voice that you use, but the physical attributes of your body and the things that you do, what those things say about you and other people. Um, and well, actually, to, to a large degree, what we are still talking about is dominance versus submission versus cooperation. We're talking about interest. All of these things. Um, and maybe a little bit of peacocking out there, too. You know, how do you know what people are, you know, how do you know if you're making a connection with somebody or not making a connection with somebody? Whether that be a business partner or a romantic partner. Potential, let me rephrase that. Whether that be a potential business partner or a potential romantic partner. How do you know if they're into you? Maybe you can find out. So, with that being said, um, let's play some music and then we'll get started. And you're thinking, this is the strangest professor I've ever had in my life. I don't argue that. I'm not your average professor. Um, you should have had me actually physically in class. It got weird. It gets weird. Alright, this is Monster Zero, a communication song that says, basically, nothing to see here.
Monster Zero with their 1993 album Democracy. And they're all friends of mine, so that was way back in the day. They're all still around, still, actually, every one of them are still being creative in their own way. So they're just not a band anymore, so you can just hold on to what you can hold on to when you can do it. So let's talk about nonverbal communication. I want you to think about. Let's get out of the human world for a moment. Let's let's dive into the world of your pets. Think about your dog or cat or somebody else's dog or cat. At some point, you've seen this happen. They get annoyed. They get frightened. Specifically, more often than not, it is a response to either being frightened or some some sort of response to aggression. 
will see their hair stand up and they will stand sideways and they will like a cat will arch its back or they both will arch their back and they do and then we get and they make these weird deep sounds so sounds apart physically what are they doing whether we're talking dogs or cats or two drunk dudes at the bar bowing up on each other. They are physically, or they're attempting to make themselves appear physically larger. This is nonverbal communication at its most primal level. It's obvious. There's nothing subtle about any of this. It's like, look how large I am. And not only am I large, I'm scary. Right? And there's these people that, you know, if we're talking about that, there's these people that we can just see them and they're like, that person is scary. They don't have to say a word. You just look at them and you're like, yep, they're scary. I'm afraid for my life. That person's probably a serial killer. Or I, you know, this is a person I'm going to avoid at all cost. And they haven't said a word to you. How do you know? How do you know any of this stuff? It's because you've got all of these circuits built into your brain that you're so hardwired that goes back millions of years to your survival skills. Going, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get away from that. Like this is, or, you know, or this is the thing that you do to try to push someone else away. These things are hardwired and, and we just do them. Um, and in most of the cases we do a lot of this stuff without even necessarily thinking about it. So let's dive in. So we got nonverbal communication we've got two different, there's kind of two different levels, sort of in a, if we're in the business world, if we're in kind of the commercial world of human interaction or cultural I guess it's on a cultural level we have we've got a technical level and then we have a um, and under that technical level we've got formal and informal so the technical level these are rules these are rules for cultural nonverbal nonverbal behaviors that are pretty well known by everyone who lives in that culture like these are just I mean we don't even necessarily think about these these as far as like your book is concerned it's like well you know technical level these are formal rules like you're getting orientation for your job boring alright so but on the technical level what these things are so it's these are nonverbal things that are they are deliberately taught to you they are, you know, things like, hey, we want you to do this. We want you to do this. We want you to dress this way. We want you to do all of these things. But we're telling you up front that this is what we expect out of you. All right. So th those are the technical levels. But then we get into something that's called the formal level. The formal level of nonverbal communication or it, and actually I can get out of nonverbal communication as well. These are rules for behavior that are clearly stated. These are things that say, 
people around you, whether it be your boss, your parents, whoever, they're like, this is the way we want you to act. We want you to do these things. In a job world, it can be like, oh, wait, there's one other thing. These are the things that we want you to do. We're just not necessarily going to tell you why we want them to, to do them this way. And and largely, I'm, I kind of built that up like it would be, you know, conspiracy level. But not not really. Mostly, it's, it's stuff that you get told to do. Nobody really explains why, but you also typically don't question it. Like, your boss says, hey, we need you here at 8 o'clock. You're going to get an hour off for lunch, and then you can go home at 4 or 5 o'clock. You're just like, okay, those are my office hours. These are clearly stated rules of behavior where like, they physically want your body in a place doing work. But you're not necessarily, they don't say, well, we're, we meet at eight o'clock for, you know, these reasons. You don't, you don't do that. And these are just sort of etiquette and it's the stuff that we do. And largely as far as people living in a culture and living in a community, there's a lot of this kind of stuff that we're just like, okay, these are the rules. This is, this is the game that we're playing. These are the rules of the game. If I want to be a player in this game, I just follow these rules and, you know, now everybody's on the same field and we function together and it's mostly sort of a cooperative effort. Your student, you have, there's certain expectations for you. Like, I'm like, hey, I want you to do this assignment. I want you to take this test. I want you to read this chapter. I don't necessarily say I need you to read this chapter and then lay out a bunch of reasons why it's important. The fact that you're in college, I'm sort of basing, I've got my own assumption that I don't need to explain why it's important to read the book or why it's important to do your homework. Like we're already there. So that's the formal level. Now we also have the informal level. And on the informal, you're learning these things just as just as quickly except nobody's really deliberately teaching you you learn this stuff by imitation and these are things that you definitely see pop up within within they vary between cultures like this is how you should act this is what you should do like these get into things like what's the appropriate amount of time to maintain eye contact with another human being like have you ever thought about that like and we'll we'll hit that a little bit longer. Like people who like when you're talking to them, and they absolutely won't break eye contact, and you're like, "Bro, take it down a notch. It's a little too intense, right?" And so, but nobody really says, "Okay, hey, you know, two point eight seconds is really kind of the max. Otherwise, it just starts to get awkward." Out. Nobody's ever saying that. Also, nobody's ever telling you, um exactly how far away you should stand from someone and nobody tells you that you know that may vary depending on what your relationship is to that person like if they fall within your personal boundary space but nobody's saying hey here's a circle i need you to stay right here you know we don't talk about that stuff but you grow up with that you as a child you see these things it's not consciously expressed to you but you learn to emulate them um, on a subconscious level. 
So that's what we we're going to do. We're going to talk about that stuff. So let's talk about eye contact for just a second. What's eye contact mean? At least in a Western culture, or at least we'll say within the United States. When you're talking to someone and they will look you in the eye, what does that typically mean? At least for our culture, mostly that means uh, there's a degree of honesty that is attributed to that. If someone will tell you something while looking you in the eye, we sort of we equate that with honesty. Um, but it can also be if you maintain that eye contact a little too much, that could also be a sign of aggression. And so, at least according to the book, when two people are having a conversation and these good grand old United States, we don't constantly stare at each other. Like we're not just locking eyes. Uh, if you remember from a couple of weeks back, we talked about that a little bit. Like you get two people, they're just two dudes just maintaining eye contact and then they're getting closer and closer. Do you remember that little experiment we talked about? You know, when they get right up and they get within a certain range, they haven't said a word to each other, but they're maintaining their eye contact and they're getting a little too close. That's typically the signal of aggression or intimacy, depending on what the person is. And if they're not feeling that, then doing those actions create um, awkwardness. It's it's a distance thing. So according you know according to the book, we're actually only looking at each other while we're having a conversation, like thirty one percent of the time. The rest of the time, we're we're sort of looking away. We're doing other things. You know, it's one of those. It's you glance back. It's just like, hey, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still here. But in all other cultures, it's not necessarily that way. And, you know, so they may maintain eye contact for a long time. So when someone from the United States, like, say, hangs out with somebody from Pakistan or India or some of the African cultures, it, it just depends on where you are. Holding that eye contact may be just perfectly normal for them uh, but not so much us now one of the things that we typically do with it it's a signal that says hey like if you walk up to somebody and make eye contact and smile what does that mean typically that means hey I want to talk to you so one of the things that might happen to me after class sometimes, like, you know, I'll give a lecture, you know, back in the those the good old days when we would meet in a classroom and we'd all stand around and laugh. And I don't remember those days. Seems like forever ago. Anyway, so I give a lecture and then, you know, maybe maybe some people have some questions or comments and they just saved them until after a dismissed class. And they're, you know, they come up and they're talking to me. And maybe I'm talking to somebody and then somebody else comes up and they've also got a question. What they typically will do is they will sort of walk up, stand a little bit over to the side and they'll just look at, they'll look at my head. They'll look at, you know, they'll look at my face. They'll look, you know, they'll be looking toward my eyes. And then typically they have something like a smile on their face. And I will see that kind of out of my peripheral vision. So like I, they are indicating to me, I have, I'm here and I have something I need to tell you or ask you. 
But as long as I continue my conversation with the person that I was already talking to, and I and I maintain that eye contact with them, mostly they'll just sort of sit there and wait. Now, the moment that I divert my eyes over and talk to this second person who's standing to my side, what I've actually just done is, from a nonverbal standpoint, I've told the person that I'm talking to either, hang on a second, I'm going to talk to this person for a moment, or our conversation is done. And the moment I sort of, and I turn my body toward them, and actually physically turning your body is pretty important too. Um, and we can, we can talk about that as far as like romantic relationships or any relationships really. But if I turn my body toward that person and I make eye contact, that's their cue to start talking. Like, Hey, I am giving you my attention now and it's okay. Now, since I was, I was talking about that romantic stuff and I know that's so important to so many people. Because you don't know what to do. You don't know, if, does this person like me? I don't know if they like me. Like one of the number one indicators if somebody is into you in some form or fashion. Like if you walk up to talk to them, it doesn't matter where you are, what the environment is, whether you're in a classroom or standing at a bar, whatever it is. And you do that thing where you stand off the side, you try to make eye contact and you have a conversation and that person they talk to you but maybe they continue just sort of looking ahead or just sort of glance over but they don't physically turn their body towards you that's a pretty strong indicator that they're not really that interested in talking to you now this could be if for you marketers for you people that are going to do sales someday this is a good indicator for you that like you need to up your game at this moment but if you're sitting there and you and you start this conversation and this doesn't matter if you're trying to make a sale or you're trying to get a date and the person that you're talking to suddenly shifts in their chair or they just turn their body and they actually turn their shoulders towards you like they're opening up their body to you they're, this is what we would consider like a vulnerable position you know, when you're standing someone to the side, that's a defensive position. Like if, you know, you're physically going to attack them, like you're going to hit them in the shoulder. You're protecting all your vital organs at this point. But if you turn your chest toward them or they turn it toward you, that's a position of vulnerability. And that's typically, and again, if they do that, they look at you and they smile that's generally an indication that they're willing to hear what you have to say. And they're expressing at least some level of interest in you. This doesn't mean that you're going to make the sale or get the date. It just means you have my attention and now's your chance to shine. I'm, I'm going to give you a shot. You just don't throw away your shot. Right? So there's that there's eye contact. There's other stuff. Um, there's things that we do. We have emblems, illustrators, regulators, and adapters. And if you're, it's in your book, you can read up on these a little bit more. Emblems are intentional body movements and gestures that have an exact verbal meaning. Like if you give somebody the finger, that's an emblem. Nobody's questioning exactly what you think at that moment or what you're trying to communicate. Also, um, 
if you want someone that's like you want someone to stop like they're coming at you and you're not saying anything but you want someone to stop what do you do think about it like they're running at you and you think they're going to hit you physically what do you do but you're, you're going to stand still maybe you're not getting out of the way you're standing your ground what do you do chances are you're going to put your arms up or one of your arms up and you're going to like point your palms out at them like one or both palms and you're basically and you're going to stop you're telling them to stop and generally if you just do it on your its own i'm physically you can't see it but i'm actually doing the stop motion with my hand right now like i'm directing traffic um that tells them they want that you should stop and we we all kind of know that um now if you do that stop motion and you also yell stop then it's not just an emblem it's also an illustrator because it's an intentional body movement that basically adds emphasis you're going hey this is the i'm giving you a verbal cue and i'm backing it up with a non-verbal cue that i'm trying to be super obvious about okay then we get regulators and regulators control the flow of a conversation so back when i was saying i would somebody would walk up and they would kind of make i could feel them staring at the side of my head you know they want to talk but i'm not looking at them like the moment i shift my eye contact that's a regulator like that is saying that is i'm i'm adjusting the flow of conversation based on this information and then we have adapters and adapters are these people who talk with their hands or you, you see the adapters they're there's they're constant habitual like hand gestures um and sometimes and also these things are like you can see them come up in moments of stress like i've got a buddy that would when he gets stressed he scratches the side of his head like or the back of his head one of the two and there's like the level of frustration or whatever he's feeling at that moment like if he just sort of does a one hand scratch on the side of his head you're like oh he's pretty irritated right now or kind of well there's the ag certain level of agitation that's going on but if he does like does a double hander like where he's scratching both sides of his head at the same time you know you know that's amplified and so we you know you learn how to read these things from people so yeah i guess it's, if you're playing poker this is where you start looking for physical tells what's that person have what do they not have what are they what are what are they trying to communicate that they don't necessarily realize that they're communicating so now let's get into touch touch can be tricky depending on the you know people you're the people that you're dealing with cultures that you're dealing with whoever your audience is in this particular point touch may not necessarily go over so well in the wrong situation but you know we still have things like right now we're in the world of covid and like handshakes are an example of this and like suddenly handshakes are a little bit taboo um and so now i, I sort of see this come up where i may meet somebody new and like I, um, yesterday I met a guy, um, an old farmer. Immediately, you know, when I shake my hand, that's what we do. You know, shake hands, but you know, in other places, more urban, like shaking hands is not necessarily what people want to do. Until now that we sort of do this fist bump thing or elbow bumps or whatever, because you know nobody wants to get everybody else's germs, 
or a virus or something else. And so we have these things. So a lot of greetings, depending on what culture you're from, may consist of a certain amount of touching. And, you know, in, in the U.S., handshakes have been, uh, yeah, they've kind of been the gold standard for most. And so it kind of, you learn all of these things like how, like, just about everybody at some point in a class like this has learned the proper way to give a handshake. You know, if you give a firm handshake, somebody's going to realize that you're a confident human being. But if you know, if you, if you give them a weak handshake, then that's going to tell them you're sort of a weak person or, you know, all of that stuff. Make eye contact, give a firm handshake in your job interview. And again, depending on who you are and who that you're dealing with, those things may be actually accurate. Um, but things shift and within the context of cultures shift. So like in, in France, um, you know, a lot of times people greet each other with this little sort of cheek kissing thing where they, you know, go back and forth, you know, one side of the, you know, they'll do a little kissing thing. But I think like with, uh, you know, sometimes they don't actually kiss. They just like touch cheeks and they make little kissy sounds. Like, I remember being in France, and I was thrown into that scenario, and I didn't know what to do at all. Like, I'm like, do we go to the right first? Do we go to the left first? Are we actually kissing someone on the cheek, or are they just kind of going through the motions, and it's like a fake kiss? What are we doing here? Um, and so, the it's completely foreign to me. Um, likewise... Way back when, uh, we talk about cultural differences and kind of like you see people physically touching and it means one thing in your culture, but it means something completely else in a different culture. In Congo uh, and some other African culture, cultures, like if people hold hands, it just signifies that they're friends. Like in American culture or culture in the United States, if you're holding someone's hand, that signifies an intimate relationship with someone. Like typically you hold the hand of like your significant other or maybe your mom or, you know, something like that. It's, it, there's, there's intimate relationships. But if you've got a couple of bros and they're going out and doing their thing, you know, they're going to the football game, they're, you know, they're just dripping with testosterone and whatever they're doing, they're probably not holding hands, right? Um, but in Congo, they do. And that was one of the things, you know, they told me, like, if, hey, somebody just sort of grabs your hand and wants to hold your hand, like, don't get weirded out. That just means they want to be your friend. They're just your friend. Okay. And I remember, like, one of the first things I saw were, were two soldiers. So these dudes are carrying AK-47s. They're wearing u Army uniforms. And they're walking down the street holding hands. And I'm thinking, I would never see that in the United States. One, you just don't typically see, you know, soldiers walking down the street in, with AK-47s. But I was like, you, you sort of think of us, oh, yeah, yeah, you're just probably not going to see a couple of Navy SEALs walking down the street, hang, you know, holding on to each other. No matter how well they like each other, it's just not what we do, right? It's so, it's just an adjustment. So we got physical touch. We got hugs. You know, who do you hug? How do you hug? Do you do a side hug? Do you do a full-on hug? Do you just avoid the hug altogether? These are questions you have to sort of identify in advance. 
is it appropriate? Is it not appropriate? And sometimes it's, you know, it depends on the person in the scenario. So I'm afraid I can't give you much more than that. So I guess the best advice is don't give people any more physical contact than they're comfortable with. All right. Just don't. Um, they'll let you know it's okay. You know, go in for that hug. If, if they're like, eh, you know, and they're like, get behind me, you know, Satan, you know, then don't, don't go, you know, some people are not huggers. I come from a huggy family. My family hugs like, and it's not any of this side hug stuff. It's like full on squishy hugging. My wife's side of the family, they're not huggers at all. They're just like, eh, do we have to actually show affection to each other? Uh, you know, and depending on where you are and what the deal is, you may, uh, you may, you, you may fall under all that. So now let's get into clothing. Clothing is going to be a weird one. I think this is going to be one of those things that sort of evolves because it keeps evolving. You, you go back, go back to like the twenties and thirties where all the, you know, all the dudes going to work are all wearing suits and ties and they're wearing a fedora. And that's kind of cool. Let's be honest. I'm like, they, those guys had style. They were dressing, you know, pretty well. And that carried on pretty well to the 50s. And then start of the 60s, things, you know, the hippies started coming around. That started breaking away. And, well, the hippies, you know, the, the young adult hippies of the 60s are now the boomers. And so some of that's still holding on depending on what place you're in and some places are not. But, like, you have, like, a CEO of a company back in the day like anytime you saw that person prominently out in the world or giving a speech they're gonna be wearing a coat and tie this is just the way it is there's no deviation from that but now you see like tech companies like you see you know zuckerberg or you know elon musk these dudes are like wearing jeans and a t-shirt so it depends on the company but the clothes that you wear undoubtedly are going to communicate sort of like what people should think about you. Um, I've tried to be, and, there, and there, there's other parts. There is, at least speaking for me personally, like I have found, like as a general rule, I'm, I'm a fairly casual human being. You've probably picked up on that by now. But I can clean up if I need to, and I can I can put on the suit and tie and you know and tie the Windsor knot and go out into the world and mostly pass as someone somewhat respectable. You know, you get a well fitted suit and you get some, you know, and and these are things you know you get these clothes that don't necessarily come from Walmart, and you're saying something about yourself in that position, and you know, and sometimes my world calls for me to look that way what i've noticed when i like deal with students though is i can i can dress that way and they may think especially if they don't know me that well oh i have to act a certain way around this person because this is a suit and tie kind of guy as opposed to other times when i may be wearing jeans and a t-shirt and you can see my tattoos and they're thinking, maybe I don't need to be so formal after all around this guy. Right? So we have these things that are going on that we have to kind of pay attention to. So clo your clothes are going to cause people to think a certain way about you. 
and they're going to cause you to, I don't know, they're just going to shade the way people think about you. Now, when we can talk about distance that we're staying from people, again, all these things are cultural. And the world of these these United States, you know, we've got we've got intimate distance, personal distance, and social distance. Intimate distance—that's where your family is and your significant other is. They they can get all the way. You know, these are the per- people that you mostly full on hug. Like it's okay if you're touching shoulders and watching TV. These this is intimate distance. Personal distance, these may be people you work with. You may sit beside them, but you're not necessarily getting that close. Like, and they're kind of like, you know, a couple of feet to four feet. The book says 18 inches, but, you know, it's two feet to four feet. You know, these, these are casual acquaintances. And then there is a social distance, which is like taking it a step further. This is like you talking to your boss across the desk. Oh, that's one. Um... If you're going into somebody's office and they've got one, you know, big old wooden desk, whatever, it's just a big old wooden desk, and the way that desk is positioned is that you have to talk to them. They're sitting behind that desk. That desk is a physical barrier between you and them. That in itself is a nonverbal communication. That is a, you are put your you're legitimately and physically putting a barrier between that person is putting a barrier between them and you. And this can be a, again, this can be a sort of a power play. Like I'm the person behind the desk is the important person in that scenario. Um, it could also be a sort of a safety thing for them. Like, you know, it depends on what they're doing. Like I am keeping a physical barrier between me and the people that coming in. Like in my office, I have just saying I have my, my desk turned sideways so that when someone comes in, like there's nothing between them and me. And, you know, when they come in, like students will come in and we'll be working on stuff. I'll, you know, like sit right beside me at my desk and we can, you know, work on the computer and do whatever we need to. So it, and so I am creating, trying intentionally creating more of a sort of an inviting atmosphere. Come on in, sit down, we'll have a conversation. I'm not. I'm not posturing in any way to say that, hey, I'm more important to you. The fact that you're in my office, though, um, and I can do things with my office, these are all nonverbal things. Like how I, what environment are you coming into? Those things are, again, also nonverbals. You know, and then finally you got like public distance. Um, You're out talking to somebody or you're giving a speech and you're in front of an audience and, you know, a preacher in front of a church, teacher in front of a class. Whatever it happens to be, these are all, they're just, it's distance. Other things, time, time varies between cultures. Are you punctual or are you not punctual? Going back to Congo, one of the things that uh, I found, and even kind of in my, my boat life, like there's there's this thing called island time. And island time just basically says, look, things don't necessarily have to be in a hurry. I'm not going to be in a hurry. And, you know, if I say I'm going to be there at 3, eh, maybe there by 4. You know, if I say, hey, dinner's at this time, then eh, maybe dinner's not really at that time. That's just sort of an opening bell of when I might consider showing up. And probably I'm not going to show up there. When I was in Congo, 
Like it wasn't. If someone told you they were going to be pick you up at nine o'clock, they might be there by noon. It was just sort of like time was considered is just a different realm there. It, they they weren't like us where everybody's looking at their watch and goes like I've got to be there by this point. If I'm running five minutes late, they're going to judge me. No, like when we were there, there was a wedding happening that no joke they waited like two or three hours like they weren't going to start the wedding until we showed up because we were just guests we weren't and then they gave us like this i got a i got a seat right up front like when i say right up front i mean i was right next to the bride like there's the audience and there's the bride and groom and and then there's just me because it was again nonverbal. i was sort of a guest of honor at this wedding and and they put me in a position um, to demonstrate that respect you know but just sort of imagine going to a wedding and somebody you know but they're not going to start the wedding until you get there and you don't get there until two hours after it was supposed to stop or start and everybody's cool with that it's kind of weird to think about but that's how we are so just sort of consider the world that that is now I'm going to give you an assignment this week, and this is what I want you to do. We're going to be looking for signs of power versus signs of weakness because these are, at least within the context of our culture, signs of power, nonverbal signs of power, or like expansive confident movements, like people are physically trying to take up space. Like you see this, like you can see sort of people trying to alpha out, you know, they're trying to be alphas, like they sit down, you know, their arms are up on the back of the chair you know or the couch and they put their arm around somebody and they're you know man spreading they're doing all the stuff they're making themselves physically bigger and don't think that people are necessarily thinking consciously about this this is just what they do they're, but they're going look i'm here and i'm and i'm not afraid to take up space they typically are also pretty comfortable they're not stiff they're pretty relaxed doing that kind of stuff and, you know, they're part of that relaxed is they may be a little bit reclined because that means they're not in a defensive position. They're like, look, I'm here, I'm big, and I'm comfortable. That is me telling you that I, I'm not worried about you. Now, the opposite of that, you get more sort of beta sort of personality, a weak sign of weakness, is you do just the opposite. You try to make yourself small. You, you don't make eye contact. Um, feet are together. You're, not, you're, you're trying to... You're doing everything you can to keep from taking up space. And especially if you do that, if you walk into a room and you've got two different people, one spread out and one is kind of... You know, sort of... They're, they're, they're both sitting down. One spread out, got his arms back on the couch. Another is... You know, he's sitting on the, you know, he may be sitting beside her in another chair, but he's he's leaning forward. He's got his hands on his knees. His hands are together. His knees are together. And looking down at the ground. And you just walk in and nobody says a word. You're probably going to gravitate to the person taking up most space because you're going to recognize that that person is a alpha status. And we do this unconsciously. We just do it. We just do it. So I'm going to create a, an assignment for you this week. And I want you to 
try to acknowledge what nonverbal cues that you give when you're in different scenarios. Um, whether it's at work, whether it's in class, whether it's social, whether you're around someone who is your quote-unquote superior versus someone who is your peer or subordinate. I want you to consciously take some time and figure out how you act because you may not know. That's the other thing. We do this stuff so often, we're not really paying attention to it. So I want you to just sort of do it and then and then critique yourself after the fact. All right? So I'm going to write that up and you'll turn it in and it's going to be awesome and you're going to learn something about yourself. Is good? Is good. Good. All right. So with that said, I am going to take this out. Let's go out with something a little weird. Turn this down. It's really, really obvious when I'm trying to look at stuff on the computer and talk at the same time. So if we're talking about communication stuff here, this is a good example. Like you can't really multitask. Like I can't do a really good I can't talk I can't talk good. I can't talk well. I can't hold good conversations if I'm also trying to multitask because we're just not good at that. So here's one of those things to remember as well. If you're trying to have a conversation with someone, whether it's your significant other or, or I don't know, just anything with a potential, I don't say, I don't say, necessarily a potential mate, maybe. I don't know. Let's let's throw it back into the world of if you're talking to a client, you've got a customer on their phone, and you're trying to, you're looking at Facebook, you're looking at Twitter, you're looking at something else, and you're trying to hold a conversation, you're going to act exactly like I'm doing right now. And that's mostly poorly. So you're just not going to be able to pull this off very well. So. Hey Jay, it's a full moon. Oh no. I'm gonna leave you with Tom Every Waits. Time there's a full moon, he sings all night long. Teresa, I'll catch you guys next time. Winter. He's a diver we praise. Okay. So long, crew. Outside another yellow moon It's punched a hole in the night time, yes I climb to the window and down to the street I'm shining like a new dawn. Downtown trends of food for those Brooklyn girls that try so hard to break out of their little worlds. Now you wave your hand and the scattered light glows. 
I'll see you tonight. 